0: First of all, welcome everyone, it's good to see you all, alhamdulillah, and um, it's always a good reminder to every single one of us that the most important thing, there's a couple of things that are really important when we come to a community space or a Muslim programming, yeah, and then uh first one is that we should have a good intention. We have a good intention that will benefit us and it will benefit other people too, whether or not we realize it. So we come, we try to, whatever, there's a lot of good intentions you could have. I want to try to meet nice people. I want to be good to other people. I want to try to learn something beneficial. I want to be patient over whatever the speaker says. Um, I want to have some food and say bismillah. I want to do this, I want to do that. There's a lot of good things you can have intention for, right? So to come and have good intention is a good starting point. The other good thing is to always remind ourselves that when we come into community, we should be trying to be what we want from others, even if we come up short sometimes. So we might come up short sometimes, we might not feel like exceptionally patient we might not feel exceptionally whatever it might be but we should always make effort to be that for someone else so i was i'll tell you for example i was thinking about something recently that happened i have this thing i don't know why i say all these things in public I'm trying to make it relevant um, something happened interesting recently as most of you know we live in san diego and. my general impression in San Diego has been that people don't know who we are. Not entirely sure if that's true. You'll see what I'm saying in a second, but I've been functioning off that assumption. Whereas in Orange County, the assumption that I generally go off if I'm in like a community space is that people know who I am. And I don't mean this in some sort of like, oh, you're special type thing. I'm just saying like they know who you are versus they don't, right? So if I go into a space and I'm under the assumption that people know who I am, then I'm going to be really making sure that I'm like saying salam to people going out of my way asking them about themselves their families so on and so forth doing what you do in community space especially if you're a person who's like looked at to be some sort of something or other in that community so all this time in San Diego it's been like almost a year and a half now I've been functioning off the assumption that nobody really knows who we are So I go to, you know, I drop my kid off at school. I just come in, I say, you know, say salam to the people that are taking temperature and we walk in I drop them and I leave. And like, that's it, you know, Uh, we're not really invited to at least, especially when we first came, there was a lot of COVID. And, you know, like we haven't really done much in the community there. So then I was uh, dropping my son off the other day. there's a brother, I see him all the time. And we always say salam, say salam and go. And we both dropped our kids off And we're walking out of the masjid And I said like a a more proper salam to him Not like the walk-by salam But like an actual handshake salam And uh, And then he looks at me And he's like so Sheikh you guys came came back to San Diego recently And I was like man I've been like walk-by salamming this guy for six months And like That's really what I shouldn't be doing And I started to think about the whole thing you know, Like is this the right way to do things in the first place Is that why does it matter if people know me Or they don't know me Like why would that make any difference In terms of how I engage with them And stuff like that And basically the thing that I came away from All of it with was It doesn't matter Like the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi Is the one who says Salam first is better Than the one who responds It's better to be the one who starts the salam. The sunnah is to talk to people The sunnah is to ask about people The sunnah is So all of these different things right And so we should be doing that Like Wherever we're in community, we should be doing that, and <clears throat> doing it in a way that is not like it's just welcoming. It's not invasive. It's not like Salam alaykum, alaykum How are you? Alhamdulillah. Oh, uh, you know, how much do you make at your job? It <laughs> shouldn't be the first question. Or like uh, you're married. How come you don't have kids yet? Or you're not married. How come you're not married yet? Like all, it shouldn't be like Salam, and then personal questions right away. Doesn't sit well Especially in American society It might sit well somewhere else I don't know But in American culture It doesn't sit well And uh, We're obligated to follow The culture of the place That we're in Unless there's uh, Some sharia reason To do otherwise And there's actually A good sharia reason To not do that Like you know It's someone's personal business Point is Come into community Have good intention And try to be For other people What you want them to be So if you want people To care about you If you want people To say salam to you If you want people to um, sh- show genuine concern for you, so on and so forth, then you do that for other people and you'll find it, inshallah. So, yes, Chaplain Sundance. Um, um, how
1: do you balance that with wanting privacy for even in community spaces? Yeah. So I used to think like in chaplaincy, that's what, like the small talk is where the intervention is, right? And so outside of the hospital,
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah I know Um, It doesn't have to be like 100 You know But just uh, I guess what I would say is that Just at least say salam and smile And It doesn't have to be like you have to have a huge conversation With everyone Maybe you don't want to have a huge conversation And we should kind of pay attention to these things It's good to learn these kind of things Sometimes you talk to someone and you feel like Okay they kind of want to go on they kind of don't want to go in right now. It is that. And it's good to learn these kind of things to get that feel, you know. Um, but yeah, sometimes you like come. It's not, not wearing the a little
1: bit for a
0: like year in community spaces and just kind of yourself. In the um, it's true that sometimes I just want to come and pray and leave. Like I just don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to go. Pray my Salat and leave. Sometimes I do just want to do that. But for the most part, I didn't like it. Yeah, for the most part I didn't like it. It just makes me feel useless. I feel like, especially, I don't know if that's gonna be the same for everyone, but for me, I feel like that. I feel like, what did I, you know, what did I spend the last 20, of my, 20 years of my life on? It's not to just like do this. Um, but it is hard sometimes. Especially for people in professions like yours Where you're giving all the time And giving all the time And giving all the time And sometimes when you come to community Maybe you don't want to do that Not necessarily you But I wouldn't mind to do that Yeah Like if Like if I came and instead For Ad was teaching I'd be happy to just like Sit down and Say salam to people And smile And that's it Like <laughs> nothing more You know And it's okay if it's that But uh Yeah, I don't know. What are some thoughts? Allahu alam. I just, I think about this statement of the person who I always forget who it was. But one of the early Muslims who, someone came to him and complained that there's no like good brothers and sisters for the sake of Allah. There's just nobody, you know. And he said, if you're looking for someone who's going to bear your burden and take care of your issues and do this and this and this and this and this and this, this, then it's true. You're not going to find anyone. But if you are the one who's looking to do that, then you'll find plenty of people who are really good brothers and sisters for the sake of Allah. you know? (laughs) (laughs) So that's the main point that I'm trying to get at. Uh, It's not always easy, you know? We have things that we have to work through. Sometimes we want to be alone.
1: I'd like to give an example. Um, Recently, we were at a wedding. Um, It was in Las Vegas. It was, like, very fancy, over-the-top. And... um, you know, music's there, people are there. Like, it's, it's just a big event. And there was one individual there and he was, you know, he had an illness and he couldn't move and he was fully, you know, disabled temperature. While there's a huge party going on around him, my mom was the only one who actually got up, went, recognized him, talked to him, and I looked, and I, I, I didn't think of it, right? And she didn't really know him, but she, but she wanted to go and give him that recognition and that respect, and I think, for me it was a it was a huge learning moment for me. But it was just, you know, she was she was the one who made that effort and really made him see seen. So I think in a lot of times we go into a space where it might be a Muslim gathering or it might be a Muslim space and we feel like, Oh, everybody's here. But there are people who may be feeling like very lonely and recognizing those people and just going and making a small effort can make such a huge difference. So it was a learning moment for me, so I just wanted to share that with That's, them.
0: That. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I'll go out on a limb, and, and we, we've... Um, one of the things that we really wanted at the medjus was for people to be comfortable, for people to be treated with hospitality, with respect, so on and so forth, right? But <clears throat> what I'll say, because most of you here are regulars anyways, is that... the regulars make that even more than the speakers. Because usually the regulars in the space are the first person you run into. Even even more than the teacher or the whatever. You know, I used to say this in the Masajid all the time. That like, it's not really the Imam that controls the culture of the Masjid. The one who can, I mean, of course the Imam has responsibility. They can intervene. They can do a lot of different things. But in the end, like a lot of our experience is boiling down to those five, six people that never leave the Masjid. And every time you go, you see them. So if that person's like the person that makes people want to stay, then alhamdulillah, you hit the gold mine. And if that person is the person who makes people want to leave, then you have to do interventions. And we have to be patient with each other. We have to like actually care enough to give nasiha, to tell people like maybe that's not the right way. There's a lot we need to do. Allah help us. Allah help us. All I'm trying to say is that be there for each other. And when you see new people, welcome them. That's all. That's all I'm trying to say. Be there for each other. When you see new people, welcome them. And don't overdo it. It's all good. Bismillah. Bismillah. So we left off last time on this children around the Prophet, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Uh Talking about the Prophet, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his granddaughter, Umama, playing with him while he's praying, sallallahu and one of the and what that tells us about the structure of space, the engagement of people, so on and so forth. We already talked about that, so we won't go back. The Prophet, وسلم, with all of his status, did not see himself as being above playing and joking with children. This is something that we kind of like. It's really important. The the personality of the Prophet وسلم, is Jamia. It's Shaqsiya jami'ah. Like he brings together, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, so many different things. It's really remarkable, you know? It's not just it's not he's the head of the state, he can't be and and, and actually the people who are close to the Prophet, وسلم, they had this too, so much so that people would be confused about it. Right? Like, we saw them joking around so much, how are they serious? Or we saw them serious so much, how are they joking around? Or they're they're so important, but they're so humble, they're so humble but they still have honor and they still have dignity how do they do this how do they bring all of these things together and he did son they so it wasn't like you know he's the prophet he can't joke with children he's so serious son they he can't play with them son they it wasn't like that um, there's an interesting story here about um, the prophets I sent them in Hassan and Hussein or it says Hussein, Hussein, the Prophet's grandson, was playing in the road, and the Prophet raised the people and then spread out his arms. The boy began to run this way and that, and the Prophet made him laugh until he caught hold of him. So they're basically playing. You know, he's running, and the kid's playing, and he's joking around with them and trying to catch him. Comes in his hands, comes in his arms, and he says he put one of his hands under his chin and the other on his head, and he embraced him. So he held Hussein's head like this, and then he embraced him, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His grandson, And again, there's something really natural about this. Um, you know, one of the things that I used to, when we were studying, it's always a, you know, subhanAllah, one of the things that amazes me about the Muslims is that the Muslims love Allah. And the Muslims love the Prophet Wasallam. And generally speaking, the Muslims love their religion. And they're always trying to figure out, like, they're trying to do it. And sometimes you see people are doing things that are totally off and totally wrong. But they're doing it because they think that's what their religion tells them to do, right? Like they think their religion wants them to do this or that or so on. And so they'll do these things out of commitment. But you see all these competing claims, right? And when you read about the Prophet them, one of the things that you find about him was that somehow, I mean there's no one who took his mission more serious than the Prophet, obviously. There's no one who delivered the message better than the Prophet. There's no one who lived the message better than the Prophet. There's no one that was the message better than the Prophet And yet somehow the way of the Prophet was such that he lived very naturally and very beautifully and very normally with his people. Right? So one of the things I used to always think about when we're studying and you know, this person says this and this person says that and you're looking up to this and that and whatever, all these different things is like... I used to always ask myself a question of like, how functional is this? is this? Is this an understanding of the religion that makes it so that people can't live normal lives? So that people can't interact with each other in normal ways, you know? Like here's the Prophet Wasallam with his community, playing in the street with his grandson, grabbing him and hugging him and kissing him and like it's totally normal you know Uh, sometimes we have these understandings of our religion that make us entirely dysfunctional entirely dysfunctional you know here we are it's early in the day and we already got here last time it took us towards the end of the class to get to the point where something controversial has to happen right now we'll get here in the beginning I'll give you an example. There's a rule in the normative teachings of the Sharia. There's a rule that a man should not touch. a man, I hope someone doesn't take this out of context. At least all of you here, inshallah, listen carefully. If you have any questions, ask your questions. At least you'll understand. You can defend me to the world, inshallah. You don't have to, but you can if they bring it to you. There's a normative teaching in the religion that a man who's not... Married to a woman Does not touch that woman Right? Or related There's a normative teaching That the woman Vice versa Does not touch a man So like Normal handshaking That people would do Technically is not allowed In our religion One sheikh We asked him about this one time This is like American born Raised High level sheikh Like sheikh What's the deal with this? What do you think? You know? he talked about it a little bit. And he's like, listen, here's my main point to you. Whatever you're going to do, know what you're going to do. Don't be a weirdo about it. (laughs) It's like, if you're not going to shake someone's hand, know you're not going to shake someone's hand and be ready with some sort of explanation and some way to deal with it and so on and so forth. And if you're going to shake hands, just shake the hand and get it over with and move on with your life. But don't do this whole, like, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it or I'm not, and they're like, I'm just, then I just do it, but I don't, and I give the explanation. Explanation is useless. It doesn't really say anything. Or I don't say anything at all, and, like, people are offended, and, like, all of these other things, right? This is, this is one possibility. The other possibility is what? I'm not telling you what you should do, okay? I'm not telling you what you should do. The Prophet, told us that the Friday, the five daily prayers between one another and the Jummah prayer to the next Jummah prayer and the Eid prayer to the next Ju- Eid prayer are expiation for the minor sins if the major ones are avoided. Okay? It's a problem to t- change the teachings of the religion. I'm not changing the teachings of the religion. It's very clear. I'm not supposed to do that. I don't know any difference of yeah. Allahu Alam, maybe there is. But as the base ruling, some people might give exceptions for certain situations or whatever. But as a base ruling, I don't know of an exception, there may be one, Allah What do I usually do when people want to shake my hand? I shake their hand. I move on with my life. And I hope that the five daily prayers and asking Allah for forgiveness and the eight prayers and everything else is a means of forgiveness and we move on. If a Muslim is trying to shake my hand, it might be a little bit different, depends. Depends on the circumstances. Um, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say is like, don't make everything so weird that you can't live your life. Just live your life. Like people, like literally you have someone, they'll go, they'll sit in the gathering and they'll backbite someone else for two hours straight. Can you believe this person did that and they did this and so on and so forth. And half of it's not even true. Like they thought they understood and they didn't actually understand and they'll do all of these things and then they'll go and someone will try to shake their hand and be like, I don't shake hands. Like that thing that you just did was much worse It was like way, way worse In the grand scheme of things Than shaking the person's hand Okay Figure out a way For it all to make sense For it to work Don't change the ruling Whatever I'm not saying it's like I'm saying According to the normative teachings of Islam I'm not supposed to do that And I will do it And move on uh, sometimes by the way According to the normative teachings of Islam You should probably shake their hand Like if they're going to hug you You should probably shake their hand It's better <laughs> <laughs> And move on Yes uh, You won't have to worry about
1: shaking hands anymore
0: Because of COVID, uh, COVID <laughs> alhamdulillah helped a lot That's actually I saw it happen recently I was in a, I was in, I was somewhere where there was a Muslim He ran the place And someone was coming in to meet him And uh, she went to shake his hand And he was like You know I'm I'm sorry and, and he didn't have to say anything, and she was like, oh, yeah, I know, with COVID, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I never know what to do anymore, and, like, it, went, it moved on, you know? So he got, he got out of it. Anyways, it's a silly, in some ways, it's a silly thing. In some ways, like, it's a, it's, it causes some people a lot of stress. And that's what the sheikh was trying to say. It was like, just move on, like, pick what you're going to do and move on with it. Like, do something useful with your life. Why am I saying this? Forget handshaking, there's a lot of other things We should be able to live together as a community in a normal way You can talk to people, you can have conversations with them You can ask about them, you can disagree with them sometimes You can share your advice, you can tell them when you like something You can tell them when you don't prefer something Just live normally, like politely and normally And talk to each other and live your life, right? Sometimes like religious Muslim spaces become so weird That you're like, just get me out of here, let me go somewhere else Give me some normal people. Our religion shouldn't be making us not normal. Like, our religion is for everybody. And it's for us. And if it's causing us all of these problems, we probably didn't understand something right. Or we're not putting something in the right balance. It's not necessarily, maybe we understood it right, but we didn't put it in the right place. Maybe it's, it's, so we have to fix these things. I'm sorry, it's a big tangent. But honestly, sometimes I get really sad. Like, I go into it. Mess, I talk to people, I have conversations with people, I hear things that are said on pulpits, and I just think to myself like, so much of this stuff is not helping people. Like, it's just, even if it's true, like, it's not, the only question isn't, is the thing true or not? <laughs> it's the second question is very important, like, what am I going to do with this information? Okay, it's true, but what am I going to do with it? Like what is it? How is it fitting into the structure of my life and my existence and my relationships and everything else? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. That's nice. In a similar situation, look at this story. I thought about this. Abu Hurairah said these two ears of mine have heard and these two eyes of mine have seen. The Prophet and Allah may send them, take the hands of Hassan or Hussein. And both of his hands and his feet were on the feet of the Prophet Try to imagine this because you'll be able to. He takes, him, takes the hands of the child and their feet are on the feet of the Prophet Wasallam. And the Prophet says, climb up. And the boy climbed until his feet reached the chest of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam. Isn't that a classic game? I, don't know, I feel like that's a classic game. We, that was like the game of our childhood. You take a child, child gets on the feet. They climb up the legs, they get to the, s- the stomach, they get to the chest. Then if they're like special, they could do like the little flip thing. And they land on their <laughs> feet again. And you do that for like 30 minutes. <laughs> That's like a big thing. You see your uncle, you climb on their chest. And look at the, the they see the Prophet, and he takes them by the hands. Their feet are on his feet. He's probably walking around a little bit. He tells them climb. They climb up. It's very natural, And it's very beautiful. <clears throat> In another narration, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi used to stick out his tongue to a Hassan so that he could see the redness of his tongue. You I mean, would just stick out his tongue, you look at his tongue. <laughs> it's very simple things that you do with kids, right? It was very beautiful. So he would play with his kids, he was in public, he wasn't embarrassed to do it, stuff like that. Omar um, ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, when he, was kiss- he kissed his son in public, we talked about before. And then he said, one time Omar said, With his children, a man should behave like a child. With his children, a man should behave like a child. Allah forgive us. Everything has its time, you know. One shaykh, we were telling him, we were talking to him about like our kids and you know all the struggles of kids and <clears throat> some of the ways. Maybe we were raised and stuff like that, you know? And one of the things he said was that it's important to not have too many... Like, of course, you give guidance, but don't, like, overdo it with guidance and rules and everything with children when they're really small. Because they have, like, a freedom and they have exploration and they, they need to get those things out when they're small. And if they're overly controlled and, like, really held down and managed too much, when they're really small, then when they get older, they still have that, that they have to get out. And so they do crazy things, when you're not around, and they, they rebel, and they do all this kind of stuff, because there was a time, when they were supposed to have fun, and just like do their thing, and you were too controlling in that time. Um, this isn't a free-for-all, by the way, same Sheikh doesn't believe, that like kids should be, running around screaming, and like breaking things, and stuff, it's <laughs> not what we're talking about, We're just, uh, like sometimes we want too much, so he said, with his children, a man should behave like a child. This is Omar, not the Prophet so I send them. And he also said, however, when that very child was, a call, was called upon for duty, he should behave responsibly. Yes. So again, it depends on the age. But like if I have a child who's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, and we can be easygoing, we can give guidance and so on and so forth. But when there's something to be done, they need to know, okay, there's something to be done now. Now you have duty. You need to fulfill the duty. Need to handle what needs to be handled. And this is the way even the companions of the prophets, Sallallahu I send them work, right? One of the narrations I really like is the one about how they would sit <clears throat> and they would like throw the watermelon rinds at each other. The sahaba, like the companions, they would like sit. Like the greatest human beings ever after the prophets would sit and like mess around. Throw the watermelon seeds and the water, like they would play, you know? And then it says, they would do this, and I uh, forget the exact wording in the beginning of it, but if an Amr came, like something serious came, كَنُهُمُرْ رِجَالٍ كَنُهُمُرْ رِجَالٍ Like, they would do this and they would have fun and they, would, they were easygoing and everything else, and when something was going down, they were the real men. Like, then when something happens, you have no doubt that you can rely on this person. Person will do everything that needs to get done, They know how to handle the situation, they know how to do whatever. And then once it's done, they go back to, you know, being relaxed, having a good time, so on and so forth. We have to be able to do this. And there's something actually that's really strong about this. Should understand that too. Like the person who's serious all the time, they're probably not actually as strong as the person who has a little bit of fun, jokes around a little bit, and so on and so forth. It's even you see it with fighters. Like someone who doesn't know how to fight, usually, they're the one that has to like posture in a certain way and like be really tough and like all these kind of different things, right? And then you meet people who are like professional fighters. They're super relaxed, easygoing. Why? Because they already know. Like, they don't have to do all this stuff. Like, I know if something happens, I know what to do, right? I, there's a balance in that. You might see sometimes, like, we would say, like in Egypt, you'd always see Egyptians are well known for this, right? They're very easygoing. Like yeah, when things go off, they go off. But like generally speaking, they're easygoing. They have a good time. Very easy. Like you could walk down the is totally normal. If I'm walking down the street in Egypt, like it happened actually. One time I was walking down the street, I sneezed. Someone on the other side of the street. It was like Ya Hamak Allah, <laughs> and I was like Ya Allah <laughs> and he's like Tafadlo <laughs> That's the first thing. Like. I sneezed He said Whatever you're supposed to say From the sunnah Next response is Come drink tea with me and He's 100% serious Not like Some superficial Drink tea thing Like we can sit And drink tea And after we drink tea You're going to be family And I'm going to call you Every week And we're going to Check on each other And like If you don't call me I'm going to be worried Like it's It's really like that SubhanAllah Like this is one of the The beautiful things And we would say like People are so lighthearted. And you're talking about a pre- People that have gone through over millennia, an extreme amount of oppression. Right? But part of like how you deal with this oppression is that you, you're able to let go in times when you should be able to let go. You let go a little bit. Otherwise, you won't be able to do that. I mean, look at the prophets. I sent them the narration. We're getting zero wear in the book today. One of the narrations that really strikes me. In Mecca, people are being tortured. People are having a really hard time. One of the companions who faced a lot of that torture comes to the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. The narration literally says, He came to the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam وَهُوَ يَتَوَسَّدُ بِبُرْدَتِهِ فِي ذِلِّ الْكَعْبَةِ وَهُوَ يَتَوَسَّدُ بِبُرْدَتِهِ فِي ذِلِّ الْكَعْبَةِ Means what? He came to the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam is laying in the shade of the Kaaba using his cloak as a pillow. Isn't it interesting? Like literally people are being tortured. Not necessarily at that moment, but the Muslims in Mecca, the situation is really bad, right? Like there's a lot of oppression, there's a lot of torture, everything else. The Prophet is laying in the shade of the Kaaba on his pillow. Now, some people they make it like, there's oppression going on, you can't ever be happy about anything. And anytime you express any happiness about anything, it's like, oh, but so-and-so doesn't have it. But so-and-so doesn't have it. It's like, I, yes, we know that. And it's really bad. And it's really sad. And may Allah help us to help them. And may Allah be with them. And so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean that I can't lay on my burda in the shade of the Kaaba. And he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he told him, Ya Rasulullah, this is how you know it was happening. He said, Ya Rasulullah, they're doing this to us, and they're doing this to us, and they're doing this to us. Can't you make dua that Allah destroys them? This was his request. And the Prophet told him very strongly: like, people before you, they went through really hard things. And they were patient. And you need to be patient until the victory of Allah comes. It's really like, whoa. Man, like, this hadith really it deserves, like, you should sit we should sit with it a little bit and think about like. How do we deal with oppression, oppression and trauma? Like one sheikh that we talked to, you know, trauma is like everything now, right? Everyone's talking about trauma all the time. And everyone has their trauma and so on and so forth. And so I'm not making any light of any of this. But one sheikh, we were talking to him, he's like, human beings were built to go through trauma. It's like, it's part of what happens as human beings. We go through trauma. So the point is not like, don't go through these. And like, obviously we don't put ourselves through these kind of things on purpose. But the reality is that human life has these things. And some people have like decks that are really hard. Like they've been through stuff that we can't imagine. And some people have less. But we go through those things as human beings. And you know, Brother Ali, may Allah preserve him. He'll be here March 25th, Santa Ana. I guess I'm plugging a concert. And only Brother Ali, nobody else. Um, He released a new song this week It's called Going Through It Has anyone heard it yet? Anyone Brother Ali fan? Alhamdulillah This is one We've had Brother Ali at the majlis twice I think Inshallah Maybe when things change He couldn't come this time I asked him He couldn't come because on his tour He has to take days off for vocal rest And he has a throat issue anyways So I asked him like You have a little you know, like you're in Santa Ana on Friday and then I think it was L.A. on Saturday or Sunday or something like that. I was like, we could do something, you know, and he's like, I have to do vocal rest. So inshallah next time. But the song I thought was really interesting. If you pay attention, the song is called Going Through It. And the chorus of the song is all like my loved ones are going through it. My family's going through it. It's about how like people are going through it in COVID, right? And everything that's happened in the last couple of years and people are going through it. And he talks a lot about trauma. As you know, brother, and anyone who listens to Brother Eileen knows, like, trauma is a big part of what he talks about. And he tells these three stories in each verse. But he does something really interesting at the end of them, which is like, it fully recognizes the trauma, and it acknowledges the trauma, and it's saying, like, and we still have to keep going. And we, and we, and people are doing it. And we can do it, and we can do it together. And the last verse is like, I, I sent it to someone, they're like, we cried in the last verse. It's really uh, like, the last verse is about a couple, they've been married for 40 years, they're going on their anniversary. And they wave goodbye to the kids, and they go on a road trip, because he says like, dinner's not going to cut it, it's been 40 years, they're going on a road trip, you know. And they're listening to music that they listen together and they're reflecting on all the times that they had together and the ups and the downs and everything else. 40 year wedding anniversary, right? And it's talking about like, he's kind of like reflecting in the verse about the qualities that these couples have. that gets them through all these times. and everything. it's really beautiful. And then he gets to the point where the husband wakes up and the backstory is that he wakes up and the families around him and there was a car accident and the wife died in the car accident. And they're like, true, he's telling real stories, you know? And they tell him that his wife has died. And he's like, he says, they didn't have to tell him. He already, he already sees it on their face. And he goes, says he goes to the funeral in the wheelchair. And after all of this, he tells them like, he tells them he tells the kids and the family basically like, look, we're all still here together and we're all still gonna be here together. And there's no mistakes in beginnings And there's no mistakes in endings This is a profound, like Profound wisdom and truth, right? That's the song this is why I'm telling you, brother Ali. It's, not, it's not like your average thing, you know? And then the whole thing goes Everyone's going through it, going through it, going through it The last time he says it He says they're going through it And I don't care how they're doing it Meaning, not that he doesn't care But he's saying like That's not what matters What matters is that we're going through it I, and we, we keep going, and we try to do it. Yes, Chaplain Simpson. I was
1: going to say there's another lyric that kind of connects to that in the fear of flying. It yes. It says, um, suffering will always be a part of me, but to serve suffering is idolatry. Yeah. So there's
0: this
1: idea of connection to like, the victim mentality, where Allah Allah gives us the modalities to heal, and there's a responsibility on our part to heal our wounds so we don't bleed over everybody else. Yeah.
0: All this this time. Yeah. Yeah, he said, if you didn't hear what she said, there's another song called "Fear of Flying," where he says, "What? How is it? It's a suff. My suf- Suffering will always be a part of me, but to serve suffering is idolatry." So, yeah, it's deep. Brother Ali is like grown-up talk. Brother Ali is grown up talking If you go to his videos and stuff you read the comments You'll see so many comments That are like You saved my life I was going to commit suicide I listened to your song It saved me It, it got me through this time like, SubhanAllah You know It's really um, Allah preserve him Allah continue to Allow us to benefit From his insights And his voice And everything else I don't know why We got onto this When that child was called upon They called their duty So there's this balance Right so yeah, we we go through things and we acknowledge them and we don't ignore them. This is important. There are realities out there, um, and I think actually, man, just throw out the throw the book in the. The culture is actually moving in that way. I was uh, I didn't know that there was a new Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Did you guys know? Does anyone know? Really? Yeah, there's a new Fresh Prince of Bel Air, so uh, it was really interesting. Like, you know, Will Smith is part of it. Jada's movie company is part of it. Anyways, whatever. Uh, the point is, it's very different. You, I didn't all I saw, all I watched was the trailer, and you can tell it's very different. And one of the reviews that I read, I thought was really interesting. They're like, it, um, you know, it has the old the old Fresh Prince. It dealt with heavy issues, but it did it through comedy and like made everything light. And it was praising it for that. And saying, like, this isn't like that. They missed all the good stuff, whatever. I was like, I understand what you're saying. But, like, it wasn't all light, actually. You know? Like, sometimes it needs to be a little bit raw. Like, we need to recognize that some of this stuff is just really bad. And there is some serious problems. And there's issues. And, like... You know, you can watch the trailer, you'll see, it's a whole different vibe. And I feel like the vibe is going that way, to like really there's you know, to to not want to pretend like nothing's going on. But then which which pretending like nothing's going on is a problem, obviously, you know. But going too far the other way such that we break ourselves from being able to do anything useful is also a problem. So we have to now things have shifted, we have to learn how to navigate the shift. Anyways, enough of all this. Oh my god. Sorry. Prophets on Allah, they? them said, "Give gifts to one another, you will you will love one another. Give gifts to one another, you will give love to one another. Like you will love one another if you give gifts to one another." The prophets on Allah, they? them, as we mentioned, he would give dates to the kids when uh, they would bring the first harvest, and then he would give the dates to the kids, he would pass them out There's a story, it's really a beautiful story actually Again, kind of emphasizes the stuff That I had said last time About um, Again, like teaching and being with people In a really natural and beautiful way Asa'ib ibn Yazid I'm not sure if that's how you say his name Because this is English, but Asa'ib ibn Yazid Someone asked him after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi something like time has passed He said, did you ever meet the Prophet? Did you ever interact with the Prophet? Did you meet the Prophet? He's older now <clears throat> and he was a child When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi was alive Okay And he said yes I did actually I did meet the Prophet I said okay tell us about it He said I came with a group of children To the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Who was eating dates with a group of his companions When he saw us He took some dates and he gave them to us That's the entirety of the story Isn't that interesting? He said like he was a little kid what does the little kid remember? Again, this is what we were saying last time. Does the little kid remember the Prophet was the head of the state. He sent 12 armies. Each of them went to this place and that place and so on and so forth. And he managed this conflict and he figured out a solution. That, that's not all of what they're sharing, right? Remembers, I did meet the Prophet so I Alaihi Wasallam. We were walking, I was with some other kids and we walked by the Prophet. He was sitting with his companions who were having some food and he said Salaam to us and he called us over and he gave us some dates. That's what they remember again it's really beautiful it's, it's beautiful in its simplicity and most I, I feel that a lot of things that really matter are things that are beautifully simple and they're so powerful because they're beautifully simple they don't require like huge complication huge philosophizing all of this stuff they're just truly beautiful and good and they're there Some cultures of our community they have this. Their way of living, even if they're like people of tremendous means, very successful, quote unquote, so on, they're still people who are like, they live very simply. And uh, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, you know? There's another story where one time Hassan and Hussein were playing and they got lost, like they couldn't find them. Hassan and Hussein, the grandchildren of the Prophet. They got lost, they couldn't find them. So everyone goes out looking, the Prophet so I them, goes out looking. Where is he? Where are they, who are they? And then the Prophet finds them. And he finds that there's a snake in front of them. And they're like holding each other and they're scared and there's a snake. And the, it, says, it says the Prophet so I send them, saw them and he found them. The snake looked at him and it went away. The snake slid away. <laughs> and the Prophet so I send them, went to them. And he wiped the tears off their face. And he made du'a for them. And then he took them on his shoulders and he took them back. I don't know And he told them, You are so dignified in the sight of Allah, I will do what I can to protect you and to help you. Now again, because this is not my preparation, this is Dr. Hisham's, I don't have the Arabic, I don't have the references, so on and so forth. So just take the lessons. I don't know what the translation of this is. But... This is a very profound statement He says, you are so dignified in the sight of Allah I will do what I can to protect you and to help you I personally believe that it's wrong When we tell kids, for example I'll always protect you I'll always take care of you Nothing will happen to you I don't like these things (laughs) Because it might not be true The reality is it might not be true You know? Like, what did he say to him? He said, I will do whatever I can to protect you. That, there's no problem. I will do whatever I can to protect you. I will, you know, put my life on the line to protect you. I will do everything I can, right? But might something happen to you that despite all of my good intentions and all of my efforts and everything else, something still happened to you? It might. And, you know, and he also made dua for them. And he affirmed their worthiness in the sight of Allah, right? says, you are so dignified in the sight of Allah. Allah loves you, Allah cares for you, and I will do everything that I can to take care of you. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So look at the way he dealt with the situation. They were playing, they wandered off a little bit, nobody could find them. They came, the snake was there. It wasn't like they came and, what did you do? It was wrong, you did this thing, so on and so forth, a mistake that you made, and like go into chastise mode. He went to them, made sure they were okay, wiped the tears off their eyes. Praise them, made du'a for them, told them basically told him told them that he loves them, that he'll care for them, that he'll try to protect them, and they them so on and so forth. And you deal with it afterwards. Maybe later on, you tell them, you know, don't go places. You we don't see you. You know, give them whatever lesson you need to give. But it's very beautiful. Again, it's very beautiful. Um, <clears throat> The Prophet ﷺ had a very special relationship with his daughter, Fatima in particular, um, We've mentioned many times before that the Prophet one of the things that he's, it said that he would do this. Well, it's not like it happened once. It said that he would do this ﷺ, is that if he was in a gathering and she entered, he would get up and he would embrace her, he would kiss her, and he would sit her in his seat ﷺ. Not even beside her, he would sit her in his seat, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. By the way, it's also mentioned that she would do the same. That when he would come into a gathering, she would get up and she would hug him and she would kiss him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and she would sit with him. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa, sallam, wa anha. So it's not like one sided. <coughs> but he used to kiss her, he used to care for her. I heard one Shaykh mention call Sayyidah Fatima al Muhammad al Nisa. Sayyidah Fatima is the copy of the Prophet them for women. You want to see what does it mean to be... She's the closest person to the Prophet them, In behavior and action, so on and so forth. <clears throat> Obviously, we can't find as much information about her as we can for the Prophet. You can find some. He mentions here that with the way that the Prophet wasallam, treated his daughter... what does that mean for her husband when she gets married? This is a very important point. If we accustom people to be treated wrong, to be abused, to be yelled at, to be disrespected, then we make that normative for them. And this is bad for men and women, of course, but this is Especially bad for women. And we make it so that. So the opposite is what the Prophet did. Right? He, on, there's, there's no way she's going to expect anything from her husband other than really good treatment. right? She knows what kind of respect, how she should be treated, عنها, and she's going to be treated that way. And of course, Sayyidina Ali is going to do that. But, you know, sometimes parents. Oof. Sometimes, in the name of parenting in our community, we break our children. Because we want to control them. And oftentimes, we use religion to do that. This is why we have a lot of reprogramming to do with ourselves and others. So much of what we deal with is reprogramming. Because people come all the time and they want the religion to be the sledgehammer that you discipline the child with, right? But tell them if they don't do this, they're going to hell. It's like, well, where'd you get that from? Like since when did If you don't do this you go to hell Other than not believing in God There's nothing else that we have That if you don't do it you go to hell It doesn't work that way you know, If you want to encourage someone to do something Encourage them But you don't do it with that And we control them And we break them And all of these other things right Well, Don't forget when you controlled them And you broke them So that you can control them You broke them Eventually someone else They're going to be with someone else And they're going to be broken With that other person and That's not a good thing that's not, that's not what we want Right We don't want our children To be broken Sometimes they might Push us a little bit They might do things We don't want them to do But You know like Sometimes I like it <laughs> You know <laughs> They're Like oh You got a little bit Of independence huh Got a uh, Got a little bit of Alright I respect that <laughs> Like You just You just disobeyed me But I respect that I like I like the style on that I Just want them to be strong you want them to. So how is she going to expect to be treated? She's going to expect to be treated really well. on her. Last story, and then we'll close and we'll pray Maghrib insha'Allah and we'll have dinner. There's a story about one companion of the Prophet. In her later years, she became known as Um Khalid. Um Khalid. In order to understand, you have to know that Um Khalid spent her early years in Ethiopia. Like East Africa uh, Migrating there in 615 So she spent her early years In East Africa When she was small The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Received a gift That had some design on it and stuff He asked the people Who do you think should get it? Who should I give it to? They didn't say anything So he told them Bring Umm Khalid So we know her name as so Bring Um Khalid. I don't know if her name was Um Khalid then or not. It's not the point. But this is the kind of stuff I'm thinking about when I'm reading it. But anyways, he calls this girl. Bring her. She's a bit. She's like a small child, you know. She was carried to him. But she was small. Small enough to understand. And he gave it to her and he told her, wear this dress until it's worn out. He told her twice. She did that, by the way. They you know from the narrations, she kept that for a long time. As long as she could, she kept it. Then she took it, she was holding it, the Prophet SallAllahu kept looking at the red and yellow marks on the garment. And he was telling her, this is Sena, this is Sena Umm Khalid. This is Sena, this is Sena Umm Khalid. Sena in the language that she had experienced in her early years, where she had come from in Abyssinia, means beautiful. So look, he's calling this little girl and giving her like a gift. And using a word from her n- native language in a sense, to describe that thing so she can feel like really close. You know, she, she feels some sort of way about that. It's not like, you know, it's like uh, imagine if you had, imagine if you're in community here and you have like a refugee family, right? And you have like a six-year-old, seven-year-old girl and you have some clothes and you give the clothes to the girl and you tell her in her language, wherever she came from, this is very beautiful. Or you say, this is... Such and such. This is such and such. This is Bonita. This is Maghbul. This is Jamila. This is whatever, right? It's re- it's really like very. So long while was It's really something. In <coughs> another time, same same person. In another time, you know, the Prophet SAW had the seal on his back, the seal of prophethood. It was like a mark on his back. And people would be intrigued by it. Like they want to see it and stuff. So one time she was small and she was trying to see it. And her dad was getting shy about it. He was telling her like, stop, 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 you know. And the Prophet said along, I them, was like, no, just let her go. And he kind of like showed her, you know, this mark on his back. And she remembered that. And she kept the dress until like the colors were faded and started to tear and stuff. Long but look at these, look at these interactions again. You know, it's like the love, the gentleness, the kindness The natural kind of interactions We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To accept from us and to forgive us To give us good of this life and the next Allahumma ameen Sallallahu wa sallam ala Muhammad Wa ala wa sallam subhanahu wa bihamdik Ashara wa inla ilaha illa ala assagfirullah Bintubu ilayk Marekum Allah wa rehmat